Hello, students, and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today we're talking about Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost's contribution to the X-Men event, Divided We Stand, with X-Force Volume 3's Angels and Demons. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I realize as I'm reading off the title of what we're talking about today, uh, a lot of this podcast is me throwing a lot of names and titles that you guys are hoping you're keeping up. Uh, and I hope you are because uh, the point of the show is to try to get y'all interested in or understanding better uh, the X-Men and their stories from the past 60 years of publication. Um, and we have been building to this episode um, because uh, I often pick uh, the stories that we're going to cover or the characters we're going to cover this podcast based off of affinities I have from previous readings um, and I always loved this version of X-Force um, this is X-Force Volume 3 um, which is often how they divide some of these eras of these comics. X-Force Volume 3 was from 2008 so we're we're slowly traveling through the 2000s with our coverage. Um, our previous story that we covered was Messiah Complex if you guys remember it was the big epic end to the decimation event with the birth of the first First new mutant after several years of Scarlet, which is um, curse upon the mutants. Um, and uh, I wanted to cover Messiah Complex because it's a very important story, but I wanted to do that so I could talk to you guys about this version of X-Force. And eventually I'd like to talk about Uncanny X-Force as well, because I consider this era of X-Force um, interesting for multiple reasons. One, it, it kind of you know, X-Force has often played as the action film of the X-Men uh, titles. Um, I know a lot of the X-Men can just be categorized as action film content um, or action genre. Um, but this is, I guess, the rated R action is what uh, X-Force has uh, kind of leaned towards. And this version of it, Volume 3, is very much adult content, you know, mature rating required, um, both in graphic nature of violence as well as uh language and themes and all that kind of stuff um so uh maybe save this one from the kids until they're a little older and can understand um some of the themes that are involved with it but uh that's not going to be our concern today our concern today is to talk about this amazing start to the new x-force uh, title that came out in 2008 um basically after messiah complex ended which was in the ending of Cable has the baby. The baby's name is Hope um, and is going to hide in the time stream away from Bishop, who's uh, dead set on killing um, this Messiah uh, to end the possibility of his timeline becoming truth, a reality. Um, and so that ended. It also ended with Bishop accidentally uh, unaliving um, Professor X with a shot to the head. And the X mansion is in shambles. A bunch of their teammates have also um, died in combat. A lot's going on. Um, Rogue, for like half a second, was cured of all of her past uh, personality she'd absorbed until she touched her mom and like basically absorbed all of Mystique. Um, so everyone's dealing with a lot. And basically, this is... I. A lot of the X-Men could be considered like, this is the era where they should have gotten therapy. Um and this is no different. This is the era they really should have gone to therapy and Cyclops should not have been leading the team. But thanks to the fact that he's leading the team, we got a lot of really cool stories out of this era. Um, they, Like I said at the top of the episode, they called this era Divided We Stand. Um, I, I appreciate that the 
creators and editors at the X office um, kind of divide the eras of the X-Men into these nice little sound bites. And so um, with Divided We Stand, they had, what was it, about seven different uh, X titles going on alongside uh, X-Force being included in that. Um, You had Uncanny X-Men continuing being uh, penned by Ed Brubaker. Um, And then Wolverine moved into Wolverine Volume 3 with Jason Aaron. Um, X-Factor continued the story that it kind of played into or touched on during Messiah Complex with Peter David still at the helm. Um, Layla Miller is gone because she's lost in the future. Um, Rain um, is gone because as we see when we read X-Force, she's joining X-Force because she's got some of her own issues to deal with and she's going to do it with some traumatic violence um, and it's not going to go very well for her. Rain is one of those characters that is a little bit like a Spider-Man where um, she basically never gets to be happy. Her story is sad almost all the time. Um, In X-Factor, it's very sad. In X-Force, it's very sad. In New Mutants, it's very sad. Even in the Krakoan era, she doesn't have really happy stories, um, which is a bummer, but some characters kind of get that plot written into them. Like I said, Spider-Man is often Spider-Man because he doesn't ever get to fully win or have a happy life. Um, I have a hard time reading Spider-Man because it is kind of depressing sometimes for this man to continue to just struggle. Um, but I guess that's reality. We're all struggling constantly. Um, and so uh, X-Factor is going with that. X-Men uh, renames itself to X-Men Legacy. Um, X-Men, no uh, adjective title, goes to X-Men Legacy. Um, and Mike Carey takes that over. And he's kind of dealing with the aftermath of Professor X, who's had um, most of his cranium removed via uh, a projectile um and so x-men legacy uh, covers a little bit of professor x moves into also dealing with rogue and her trauma um and then even moves on to kind of uh giving legion um, professor x's uh, son a little bit of some spotlight time x-men legacy is another title that i think i'm i might want to do an episode on because i recall x-men legacy being kind of fun and interesting um it really builds on a lot of the lore of these characters and in in substantial ways and so maybe we'll cover that soon or even next um young x-men continued with mark guggenheim writing that and cable just hopping through the time stream um has Dwayne uh swarzynski um writing that and on cable that this issue of cable this kind of took over cable and deadpool was happening prior which is another one i want to um, I'd love to talk to you guys about Cable and Deadpool is great. It's basically why we have Deadpool 2, the movie. Um, and But this version of Cable um, going uh, going into full Pedro Pascal dad mode through the time stream um, is was one of the best eras of Cable. Um, but we're here to talk about X-Force, which was uh, written by Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost. Um, and if you recall uh, those gentlemen, uh, we've actually talked about some of their works prior to this um, a few times. Uh, but notably, they are the creators of X-23, who stars in X-Force. Um, yeah, they were co-writers, like I had said previously in previous episodes, for X-Men Evolution, the cartoon, um, the animated series that we all uh, know and love. Um, and... Uh, they were then tasked with translating X-23 into comic books. So they wrote for X-23 with NYX and X-23's um, origin story, which was just called X- NYX. We did an episode on that with Alana Pierce. Um, they also wrote for New X-Men. And then this is them moving over to X-Force. Um, they, knowing that they wrote X-23, knowing that they wrote her origin story, makes sense why x-force this version of it went super dark these guys love a dark story these guys love 
trauma and uh, uh, complex themes like uh, religion and and uh, ends to means uh, via violence and all those kinds of things. Um, and I, I think they did a pretty great job. These first six issues that are part of the f- first story arc of X-Force called Angels and Demons is amazing, um, but it is paired with amazing art. Um, I love Clayton Crane's style in this Clayton Crane had done, uh, has done a lot of work for not just Marvel, but, um, Valiant, um, among some other titles, DC as well. He worked with Todd McFarlane. Um, he's got this great acrylic digital acrylic paint style. Um, it's almost, uh, uh, like Renaissance style kind of works. It's very, uh, there are moments in this these issues that look like they could just be hung up in the Vatican or a cathedral. Uh, it's beautiful. I love it. And but it's it's also uh, intense um, and uh, very dark, not in just like uh, hue, but also like just tone and style. And it works for the direction that uh, Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost are taking this run of x-force um and uh what this run is basically covering is this is the beginning of cyclops descent into kind of a raw militarization of the x-men um uh, more so than ever uh the x-men have always kind of played around with being a school with being a superhero team with being a militant force um x-force has always been the title that um doesn't blur that line anymore and just uh delivers the mutants for that are part of the x-men team as soldiers as black ops members as um the people who have to get what needs to get done done however it needs to get done um and this whole this this all he Cyclops uh, also brings us over into Young X Men, where he basically uses the the Young X Men to 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 pull out a mission. I think they go hunt the Brotherhood, the New Brotherhood, um, and he's also doing an Uncanny X Men. Um, Cyclops without Professor X in check kind of gets a little unhinged. Um, he's really shifting the focus of the students to being soldiers. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, it makes sense. It doesn't come out of nowhere. A lot of people like think that like, I don't know, they, they think Cyclops is boring. They think Cyclops is a boy scout. They think Cyclops is annoying. They think none of the women that date Cyclops, um, he doesn't deserve any of them. And while there's nuggets of truth in all of those statements, um, Cyclops is not simple. He's a very complex character. They've, you know, a lot of writers have taken stabs at him from, you know, all the way from Stanley and Chris Claremont, all the way out to Jonathan Hickman and and Jerry Duggan, who are writing him right now. Um, and I think Cyclops is is wildly fascinating. He is he has multitudes. He has range, and he is pragmatic, um, but also emotional. And that is how that's what happens when you have to live the reality he lives. I mean, he is one of the mutants who is not passing. Um, he is one of, not fully, not anyways. He's 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 moderately passing, but he's also um, disabled in ways where he, you know, he can't function without the aid of a device that stops his eyes from killing things, and so he knows the reality of being a mutant very well. And with you know upon reflection of what's happened in the recent past of the X-Men, this 
era, Divided We Stand, and what happens after it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you got to think about the timeline of what this man has experienced. Um, Scarlet Witch almost decimates his entire you know, people group, um, and drops them down to a sub 200 population number. Um, and then in response, no one comes to save them. In fact, the U S government comes and just sequesters them as like some sort of endangered species animal, um, for their quote unquote protection. Um, and so, you know, the superhero community has betrayed him. The U S government has once again betrayed him. Um, he got glimpse, you know, a glimpse of hope, literally through the birth of the first new mutant in forever, um, which is bringing him and his people a second chance. And he's not going to make the same mistakes twice. He's got to make mistakes, everybody. That's what Scott Summers does. He has a cacophony of errors, but those errors are wildly interesting in, in book form. Um, and, but he is, he, he's learning from his past and he's making new plans and new moves and while there was a version of scott that wouldn't have sullied himself with the workings of something like x-force he would have thought himself above those kinds of teams above those tactics he understands that he's not in a position anymore to be really to turn his nose up to that kind of um you know work and that that those kinds of tactics and thus he is approaching um his longtime friend and sometimes nemesis and sometimes boyfriend um, Wolverine and basically being like hey you remember how when we were hunting for hope I said hey get a team together that can get stuff done um, hey we need to keep doing that and we need them now to go do that um, and so that's how X-Force Volume 3 uh, you know is created and starts off and really a lot of the themes in this uh, title um, and the rest of Divided We Stand, they really are, they are the things that lead the way to Krakoa. While Krakoa, the Krakoan era, um, and the Dawn of X, and all those those names of that era of the X-Men, um, is a soft reboot. It doesn't come out of a vacuum. Jonathan Hickman built that off of like things that have been going on for decades in the X-Men stories, um, which what which is why I think it worked so well. It wasn't just a hard reboot. It wasn't DC new 52, you know, it wasn't ultimate universe. Um, it was playing with the toys that were there and a lot that's going on in this divided. We stand era is what led to Krakoa and Krakoa working. In fact, it's almost like Krakoa beta. Um, I mean, this literally is what led the X-Men to founding a kind of a haven it's not a nation really um but sort of a nation off the coast of uh san francisco did they actually take over alcatraz i gotta reread the books i think they took over alcatraz um no they did not they i think they lifted um a piece of magneto's old base off from the seafloor and created their own island called utopia um which was an attempt at krakoa and interesting enough, uh, Utopia ended similarly to how Krakoa is ending right now. If For those of you who are wondering, um, it is January of 2024 when you're listening to this, and we are at the very beginning of the Fall of X, which is the bookend or what's being penned as the bookend of the Krakoan era. Um, and while I don't want that era to end, I've read Fall of House of X and Rise of Powers of Ten, and I like them. 
I like them. I'm enjoying them. And so I'm here for the ride. I love this stuff that's going on with Mr. Sinister and how what he's turned out to be and mean for the Krakoan era. And this story we're reading for Angels and Demons is quite similar to what's going on with uh, Mr. Sinister, because in Angels and Demons, we are introduced to, um, you know, Bastion, who is a offshoot of, you know, the Nimrod robot series. And he even kind of gets in bed with the Technarchs, which are um, basically what Dominions are based off of in the X-Men. If you don't know what Dominion is, it's just it's a super advanced race of AI that is almost out of time and space. Um, that's something right now that is the big baddie or or sort of the big baddie for the X-Men currently uh, in new comics being released. Um, but I digress. Uh, we're talking about X-Force. Um, and uh, before I get into covering like what happens in each issue and kind of giving offering some context and, and commentary, um, I was reading this and uh, I really appreciated how much uh, Christopher Yost and uh, Craig Kyle um, put effort into making this story connect with the original themes of why a character like William Stryker and why uh, an anti-team like the Purifiers were introduced. And and books like God Loves, Man Kills, it's it's this idea of trying to see how how could the X-Men translate this um, historic trend, let's call it, of the idea of religion being used as an excuse for radicalized like bigotry. Um, I'm not here to claim that all religion or religion in general is is about bigots and, and radicalization, but there are some extremists in in religious groups, and they use whatever false thoughts and false gods they have in mind to rationalize. Um, their own hatred of the other. Um, and uh, I think this Angels and Demons, um, these six issues kind of uh, portray that and illustrate that quite perfectly. It's fantastic. I've said it's fantastic, I think, five times now. I should really get a thesaurus and work on my vocabulary. Um, but before I do that, let's go through the issues and talk about it because um, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, issue one is all about getting the team back together. It's one of those issues where it's just Cyclops might as well be holding a cigar and approaching Wolverine and being like, yo, um, Messiah complex happened. That was crazy. Um, I know I said X force was like this temporary thing. I needed you to gather together in order to find sinister that worked really well. Yes, I know we lost Professor X, and I know one of your teammates, Caliban, died. But what if you gathered people together again and went to go find what's going on with the Purifiers? Because they be messing with stuff. They they broke into S.H.I.E.L.D. We're learning that the Purifiers have agents in all kinds of places, including S.H.I.E.L.D., um, which if you're a fan of the MCU, you must be at this point being like, is S.H.I.E.L.D. just constantly infiltrated? And I would say, yes, it constantly is. It is not an airtight government organization. Um, And so, yeah, Cyclops wants uh, Wolverine to go get him. Um, Wolverine's under the impression that he could just do this on his own. Um, But Cyclops, because Wolverine's like, you know, X-Force disbanded because they're all sad because Caliban died. And, uh you know, Thunderbird is gone. Or, or Warpath is gone. Apologies, his brother's Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Um, Warpath is gone. And, and this is where Cyclops is like, well, A, um, let me deal with Warpath. I can get him to do 
this this whole team dynamic again in the name of revenge. He's really good at liking revenge. Um, if you recall, his brother died um, for the X-Men, and that really fueled him to really join X-Force and, and be a go-getter. Um, and uh, he's like, you know, we also, let's use X-23. Um, she's got some a lot of skills we could use, and Wolverine, uh, you know, of course is like no i brought x23 in to like deprogram her and give her a chance at like being a young girl being a, a human being not a weapon not a tool and cyclops cyclops is like yes i love that idea let's do that after we use her to hunt down and kill all the purifiers because she's really good at that um and this is also like this is planting the seed for uh wolverine and cyclops to really have their schism later on um which was the the harsh division of the x-men into two distinct teams with two distinct tactics and bases and goals um but before we got there that's what's going on right now is is cyclops went over wolverine's head recruited x-23 without him um and she's already on the case of hunting down these purifiers um there's a there's a great moment while uh wolverine is trying to portrayal or, or trying to explain um what happens when you become a part of x-force and how it's like a you can't go home kind of situation and i find it really interesting because in this panel wolverine to illustrate how of how much of a permanent mark you know being a part of this team is on your record um he tries to refer to refer to kind of like the 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 good guys the clean x-men the front men who are um you know the poster children of of the x-men that that aren't part of this like dirty black ops sullied team but he uses characters like angel beast and iceman as examples which is frankly hilarious um i think the writers knew what they were doing um and if they didn't uh great accident because while they did know what they were going to do with angel because angel is a big part of this six issue um arc um beast was on his way downhill right now and soon would become almost uh unsavable um and iceman also uh is going to have his own uh demons in the closet um He's going to be in the closet for a little bit longer. Um, but Iceman is also going to like be something of a, of a, a marked and marred X-Men soon. Um, and so I love that he used those as examples. I, th- I think the writers knew what they were doing. Um, all the while that the, that Cyclops is getting this team together with Wolverine at the helm. Um, we are, you know, being, uh, introduced to what is going on with the purifiers and um reisman is now in charge of the purifiers because william Stryker is dead who is the founder and the one who found reisman and he's if you guys remember when we did the nimrod episode he's the one who found a broken nimrod but used that nimrod's connection to the future to um save um certain humans from mutant events um and to grow his uh religious zealot army um and so Reisman basically broke into Shield, um, thanks to the help of his uh, buddy Eli, who's a new character. Um, and uh, they are they stole parts of Bastion and are using those parts. I think basically the head um, paired with uh, Nimrod's body to bring Bastion back. Um, Bastion, if you remember from the Nimrod episode, was this. 
um, amalgamation of Nimrod, who had merged with uh, Master Mold against his will, and then in order to save everyone, passed through the Siege Perilous. Um, and the Siege Perilous is this thing that transforms whoever goes through it into you know, like their true self or a different version of themselves or what they want to be. Um, and that's where Bastion was born. Bastion then was defeated by the X-Men. And so this is Reisman rebuilding Bastion to bring him back um, because he is um, an avatar of uh, anti-mutant sentiment. He is, he is the ultimate uh, mutant hunter. He is the ultimate version of Sentinels and Nimrod and all that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, Wolverine and Warpath uh you know and they they meet up with x23 um cyclops tries to pair uh wolfsbane um rain sinclair um to the tries to pair them up with the team for x-force and wolverine's like no um you can't be on the team um he should have said yes because things would have not been so bad because when they do um attack the purifiers um they find out that riceman has uh kidnapped rain who went ahead because rain has her own uh, agenda and we find out what that is very soon um but uh she went and tried to do this solo which always goes badly and she got captured and so uh riceman is basically being like i will shoot her if you don't leave and x23 um is all about calling Reisman's bluffs. Uh, and they, the, the issue, this first issue of X, X-Force ends on this great cliffhanger, which if you keep in mind that this is back in the era of where like you couldn't read the trade paperbacks or, or all the continued issues, this is him pulling the trigger to Wolfsbane um, upon X-23 calling his bluff. It's a great cliffhanger. And I, I when I'm reading like comics live like as they're going out i hate those cliffhangers because i'm like i don't want to wait a month this is not even like tv show cliffhanger where you like wait till next week to find out what happened on the show this is like now wait a month um if things are on time um and we'll tell you how this resolved um and uh but it's it's definitely a great tactic to keep people coming back um and if you came back and read issue number two you would you would realize that this is kind of like a whole issue of dealing with this hostage situation of rain because while Reisman did pull the trigger. He only did a shoot to wound, um, to which X-23 does not translate as like, ah, this guy means, you know, he's being serious. She's like, and I think he's still bluffing. And I love that about her. She's so determined. She's so reliant upon her heightened senses. She knows her training. Um, and she is not good at taking orders. Um, not good at holding back. Um, you know, she's used to being a solo combatant. She is a, you know, a weapon that was, uh, often exclusively sent out on her own. And so she's got to learn how to be on a team. She's got to learn how to, uh, go beyond the mission objective has to be able to improvise and expand upon what's going on. Her mission objective is find the purifiers, find out what they stole and stop it all. And she's like, rain is not the objective. Um, and so during all this scuffle, when they're fighting the, the, and the, while they're getting like detained, um, by the purifiers, because, um, Wolverine's like, Ryson's going to shoot Wolfsbane. Please stop doing this. She sets off charges that she said that she set up in the church that the purifiers are in and basically blows up the roof. Um, she knows that she and Wolverine would survive this like Warpath's there and Warpath's strong. He's a strong mutant, but like, doesn't have, doesn't have a, hum, a mutant healing factor. Like if, if he got like an arm cut off, he ain't going to come back like X 23, but she's like, he's fine, <laughs> which I think is great. Um, 
And uh, this basically uh, allows for some of the purifiers to get away, um, but for the X-Men or the X-Force team, um, you know, to also not be detained and continue their mission. Um, back at the base, which they're using like one of uh, Warren's uh, homes, I think it's called the Angels Airy, um, back at there while they're, while they're um, talking about what happened at the Purifier's base, Angel does, this is when Angel does join the group and eavesdrops on what's going on, understands that Rain is is being kidnapped and they have to save her. Um, Warpath kind of brings him up to speed and also uh, lets the team know about, uh, you know, Rain's past with another reverend um, separate from uh, William Stryker, and that is Reverend Craig, um, who is now with the Purifiers. Reverend Craig is an old character from New Mutants and is... um, the person who's basically the source of Rain's uh, religious trauma basically is one of those like terrible, terrible preachers who was like, you're a demon, you're a monster, you're, you're not of God. Um, you are an aberration. And it makes it even worse when we also learn that uh, Reverend Craig is uh, Wolfsbane's biological father. Um, that's going to give you issues. I mean, daddy issues is part of the X-Men book, um, but this is one of the worst ones. Um and so uh, Angel's obviously going to join the team at this point um, and later on just kind of continue to serve as a part of X-Force. Um, back with the Purifiers, um, Bastion, who's now fully functional and is the reason why they were able to, like, you know, counteract the X- X-Force assault, um, is now in charge and is really putting Reisman, who's just a lowly human, in his place and you know, even lays out why Reisman's plan, which is Stryker's plan, is going to fail. Like, he literally is like, there's a 99% chance that it's going to fail and the X-Men are going to find you and defeat you. Um, and sure enough, the X-Force are, like, hunting down purifier bases and looking for info on Rain. Um, and it's... There are some moments in this where, you know, the the writers do a really good job of showcasing how this is really descending into the darkest form of how the X-Men can, you know, succeed in their goals. And Warpath even questions uh, X-23 and Wolverine on how they deal with the blood, um, the just the general blood on their hands, the blood that they are causing, the bloodshed that they are they are releasing, um, because they are not using uh, soft tactics to get this info. Um, they are they are they are pointy mutants with pointy pieces that come out of their hands, and they are using them to their best ability. Um, Bastion is, you know, while they're hunting down the purifiers, Bastion is, you know, declaring that the X-Men are the greatest threat, um, but that he has determined that they can't be defeated with terrestrial means, um, which I I think is like, that's true. Like the X-Men are the most advanced version of what humans can be. Um, They showcase that in the Krakoan era. And Bastion is like, yo, they're not going to be defeated by just you humans and your guns. Um, We need to get other, you know, means that are, uh, you know, greater than the human condition and this is when he goes and hunts down the let's call it like the carcass of uh the technarch father of a character from new mutants that we know warlock um his name is magus um magus was a big baddie um for the new mutants um and has been for the x-men as well um and is part of an advanced alien race that 
basically is like this AI virus that absorbs, um, you know, organic material uh, and, and, and draws it into this kind of hive mind. They're kind of like the Borg, but even, even more powerful and scary and more viral. Um, they can often just uh, convert things into their horde via touch. They just assimilate things that way. And uh, Bastion knows that he can use Magus to his advantage. Um, and this is when we jump into issue number three, where we find Bastion uh, gathering the, like, the most anti-X-Force team possible. We're getting like old baddies from the past, like Donald Pierce. He's the one who basically led... Um, Archangel down the path of losing his wings and becoming an avatar of Apocalypse. We got Leopard Queen. We got Cameron Hodge. We got Graydon Creed. Um, Graydon Creed is the human son of Sabretooth and Mystique and one of the biggest, you know, mutant bigots ever. Um, and these are all people that are in hiding or in custody or even some cases dead. Um, and uh, he's gathering them up to join his team. Um you know, X-Force does eventually find Rain um, abandoned in a building. Um, she was supposed to be disposed of via Bastion's orders, but Reisman still is hell-bent on basically following through with what Stryker had told him to do. And so he leaves her as bait, as a trap for the X-Force team, um, and then lies to Bastion about her death Um Bastion also kind of picks up on this mysterious character, Eli Bard, um, and almost kills him. But if not for the vouching of Reisman, um, who, you know, who says, no, 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 this guy's good. I, I promise he's, he's on our team, um, which is foreshadowing to Eli's, you know, betrayal uh, at the end of this story. That is the it's kind of the teaser for one of the other big um, stories that's going to happen in uh, the X-Men later. But. Uh, we'll talk about more about that later. Um, Bastion, you know, having found Magus, um, rewrites Magus and uses this new rewrited, rewritten version of the Technarch um, to infect his uh, human team and to either convert them or even resurrect some of them to be, um, you know, part of his, you know, No More Mutants team. Um uh, all the while, uh, the X-Force team break brings uh, Rain home, um, who is like sort of overdosing on heroin. But for some reason, she's only been given enough heroin to not overdose. Like she's at that peak. Um, and there's this wonderfully haunting foreshadowing panel where she's unable to function and move, but she's somewhat aware. And she gets a uh, sight of Angel leaving and, you know, to someone who hasn't read the story, it looks like she's just like in shock from the drugs. But we know now after reading it that that is her first glimpse of the trigger that's going to set this whole thing, the whole thing in motion later on. Um, we head back to the to Bastion. And we kind of get introduced to the rest of his council. Um, we also get introduced to Stephen Lang, William Stryker, who's now back from the dead and Bolivar Trask, who is the guy who made um, the Sentinels. It's really great. This whole panel where it's kind of like, uh, the last supper kind of, uh, you know, Bastion and his apostles and above their names, they not only have the organization they're part of, but in the comic, they also have how many mutants they're responsible for killing. Um, and when it gets over to Bolivar Trask, it's like, I can't remember the number, but it was like in the hundreds of thousands. I think it was like either at least in the tens of thousands because he's the one who, who made Sentinels. Every Sentinel, you know, kill 
is thanks to Bolivar Trask. Bastion existing is thanks to Bolivar Trask. He really is one of the worst. The Trasks are one of the worst uh, humans ever um, in history, which is why Moira like devoted like I think one of her lives to just decimating their um, their family tree. So we uh you know we've we've now have this new council, and so um, we get to issue four where we answer the question finally of why is Rain still alive? What is the plan for her? Um, X twenty three, all about trusting her gut, thinks that Rain being there is sus. Uh, to say the least, um, and that Wolverine is being overly emotional, um, which he is because he kind of like roughs up X-23 for her tactics and her methods and her actions. Um, not being a good dad right now. He's kind of having a very low emotional point. Um, it happens, uh, but it it's in vain because X-23 senses are spot on. Um, Elixir is brought in, who's, you know, the, the Omega level healer, um, of the the new x-men team the young x-men team um, he manages to bring rain back um, but upon seeing angel she is immediately triggered upon triggered goes into full beast mode wounds elixir and begins to what is described as surgically removes angel's wings like bites off his wings the poor guy he lost his wings. He he lost his wings, uh, and not not you know through amputation that he didn't decide. Um, he uh, then is given back these demonic you know robot celestial wings by Apocalypse, and is you know completely turned into a different person for a long time until he finds himself again. Is blessed with this miracle later on of getting his feathered wings back. Turns out they were growing underneath the metal wings. Um, and then all of a sudden, this little Scottish wolf um, just roughs him up and takes the wings again. Um, you know, she is, uh, she, she, she is continuing the trauma on Angel's uh, history of trauma. Um, X-23, uh, you know, follows Wolverine's orders upon tracking this down. And instead of, um, defeating Rain, who is like, obviously not herself, um, just lets Rain have her way with her, like violently. Um, and it's kind of a moment of growth for X-23. Like she's learning to, um, follow other orders and to think of others. Um, but it's to the you know, the decimation of her midsection, basically. Um, and Rain makes her way back to Reisman, who is starting to let the reader know about his plans with what is he calling the choir. Um, when we get back to X-Force, um, after Rain has delivered the wings to Reisman, um, Elixir is trying to heal angel's wings he is an omega level healer he basically can manipulate the the he's he's limited only by his the strain of his body he should be able to regrow angel's wings he's able to grow appendages for mutants but if something non-organic is stopping him from doing this which is the first hint to like something is up about angel's biology um and we learn what it is by jumping back to the purifiers who are you know in a lab and they're looking for what they're calling the apocalypse strand in these wings because like i said he's he was given new wings through apocalypse's celestial technology um and he you know had a miracle of regrowing his wings um but uh we're learning that these are not 
these are not Warren's wings or his original wings. These are still uh, part of Apocalypse's, you know, genetic manipulation of Angel, and they use these wings to graft uh, the 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 metal technology, um, the organic metal technology, to um, Reisman's uh, followers. Starting off with their first guy, who is obviously named Gabriel um, and he becomes the first member first member of Reisman's choir choir of angels uh, makes sense what are they they're, the, the choir isn't singing they're uh, a giant assault team of winged uh, bigots um, Warren does wake up um, because of elixir's healing um, he, he doesn't and he doesn't just like grow his wings back um, his metal wings come back out and he fully turns into you know the the death avatar of apocalypse he is archangel once more does not have control of his facets to not is 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 now on a hunt to get his wings the fact that his um wings are gone are stolen that it brings him pain and now he is on a hunt to uh, uh return them uh to sender um, he is not happy, which could be the title of issue five. Warren isn't happy. Um, he can still feel his wings um, and he fights X-Force and leaves um, to go abscond them back. Um, but uh, Reisman has his own mission now and he lays it out that he needs to kill this abomination that is the resurrected techno William Stryker. He needs to kill this rewritten Magus creature and then he needs to kill Bastion because he can he can sense that this is getting out of hand, out of his control and that it is no longer in like the human's best interests. Um, techno uh, William Stryker um, does address the other purifiers and informs them of like what they know is like Reisman's impending betrayal and so they're prepping to um, protect or defend themselves from Reisman or to hunt him down one or the other um meanwhile back with X-Force Rain does wake up from her fugue state that was kind of caused by this hypnotic suggestion that caused her to attack Archangel or Angel um and uh but she is uh now dealing with Reverend Craig um who basically is is tasked with finally getting to kill her that was we'd find out um his the reason why he joined the purifiers, he's like, I will join if I can be the one who then after you use rain kills her. It's not a good dad. A lot of bad dads in the comics. He's one of the worst. Um, and he, but rain does manage to escape mid execution because he doesn't shoot very well. Um, and, uh, and so now Craig is on the hunt to find rain. Um, the choir does then assault the purifiers base and Reisman is able to, confront bastion the way he wants to with an army of angels at his back um so we jump into the final issue of this story arc which uh i guess you could call three's a crowd um and uh because it starts off with a fight between the uh choir and bastion's little uh anti-human team um but archangel comes and complicates the whole thing um complicates reisman's plan to kill bastion's technarchs um and goes on a murder spree on the choir he's like give me back my wings give me back my wings and you give me back my wings um wolverine also complicates the situation by showing up and basically pseudo lobotomizes bastion um with some adamantian claws into his uh android head um and uh, 
basically a lot of murders happen. <laughs> a lot of fighting, a lot of blood, a lot of murders happen because there's you got like the X Force team, you got the Reisman's choir, and you got Bastion's purifiers all fighting to win. Uh, meanwhile, Craig. Daniel, uh, not Daniel Craig, Reverend Craig, um, is hunting down uh, Wolfsbane. It's a real like religious Greek tragedy going on right now, um, and uh, Rain doesn't, you know, it has no intend intention of like causing violence to Reverend Craig. She wants to be rid of him, um, but much to Reverend Craig's dismay. Um, he does kind of back up into these wings that are on display, which gives him the visage of being um, the target trigger of Rain. And she, out of her control, um, attacks him. Um, it triggers her reflex and she attacks to kill. Um, and it doesn't end very well um, at all for her. Um, it doesn't end well for most people because back at the fight with the the three teams, Eli, um, who showed Reisman where to find Bastion, finally betrays Bastion as well um, and makes reference to like the fact that the purifiers were supposed to be a sacrifice to someone in the name of death. But this finding this Magus character and learning what resurrection abilities the Technarch virus um, has uh, leads him to changing his plan. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll spill the beans. Basically he works for Celine, who is this one of the immortal mutants who is a, 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 a vampire. Essentially she survives off the life force of humans. Um, she doesn't bite like a real vampire, but she's basically a vampire in that sense. Um, X 23 does manage to execute her mission and kills Reithman, um, Reisman and Warpath, uh, essentially scares Eli away for another day. Um, Bastion does escape his fight with Wolverine um, uh, and who gets a glimpse of all these characters that Bastion did resurrect. Bastion is going to be one of the big baddies. That's going to be a big thorn in the side of the X-Men for a little while after this. Um, And we get this really amazing uh, full page, full splash page image of the aftermath of Angel's assault on the choir. It looks like something out of the Notre Dame Cathedral. It is Angel, who is no longer looking like Archangel, looks like Angel himself with feather wings, um, which uh, begs the question, is he now both of these characters? Is he both Angel and Archangel? Is he life and death? Um, spoiler, he is. Um and uh, no body is recovered of Reverend Craig because um, we find out that Rain, in her fervor, um, they allude to the fact that she basically like consumed him like a feral wolf. And if that's not going to mess her up for forever, I don't know what will. Um, Angel lets them know that uh, in the aftermath of all this, um, you know, kind of sort of kind of mission accomplished, but not really. Um, Angel lets the team know that the wings are still there and wants to, they want to come out, um, which is terrifying, but awesome. And Cyclops ends the whole story by basically declaring that he has a hit list now and that these resurrected worst of the worst humans, um, they all have to be, brought down and he challenges Wolverine who's next. And that's basically the formation of this team of X-Force where it's 
Wolverine and X-23 and Warpath, but then they also add Archangel and, and Rain. Um, and they'll, they'll gather some more later on. I believe they get Domino on the team as well. And she's a mainstay of X-Force from the past and the future. Um, I, this story is not for the faint of heart. Uh, it was much more, it was darker than I even remember. I always remember that this X-Force title stories were very dark, but the themes of this from like the violence to, you know, what's going on with Wolfsbane and all of that. It's, it's so morose and macabre. And, uh, but I, I, I like stories like this. I think there's room for X-Men books to be fun and uplifting and uh, inspirational. And I think some there's room for others to be a reflection on the darkest parts of history and story making. Um, I, you know, I, I hope this was a interesting one to get to. I hope we did a good job of like prepping you for it with the previous episodes of this podcast where we covered like things like, um, you know, uh, Weapon X and uh, uh, Messiah Complex and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not quite sure where I want to go next with this. I don't know if I want to just jump straight to Uncanny X-Force or we should cover some cable or jump to something else entirely, but you'll have to just stay tuned to find out what it is. Um, thanks again for li- listening to the episode. And for those of you who are on the Patreon, thank you for being patrons. I appreciate you so much. Be good, be kind, be brave, and I'll see you next time.